Our Kickstart kids, you guys can go ahead and head out with Miss Meredith in the back right now. If we've not had the chance to meet yet, my name is Pat. I'm the lead pastor here at Livingstones, and it is great to be with you guys this morning, to be able to share with you, and uh, just what God has been stirring in my heart over the last number of weeks. And so what we're doing today is we're beginning our Christmas series that we're calling Christmas Presents, God With Us. And, and I wanted to share just kind of a little backstory as to kind of how this this whole series came about, what, what God has really been kind of stirring inside of me. And, and really, the, it, it kind of came about as I've been remembering over the last number of Christmases that we've had and just some things that I've been thinking about during that time. And, and I don't know if, if you guys are at all like me, but when you were a kid, like this was the best time of year. Like it, it was awesome. You looked forward to Christmas all year long, like being able to go out and pick out a tree and, and decorate the tree and going to the mall to visit Santa, getting to go to grandma's house and opening all the gifts. And, and, and you know, like my brother and I, we used to lay our sleeping bags down on the floor next to the Christmas tree and we would have sleepovers in the living room under the, the lights of the, of the Christmas tree and baking Christmas cookies. I mean, like it, it, was, it was awesome. And just like Stephen mentioned, that anticipation and the excitement of Christmas Eve, like you couldn't barely sleep the night before Christmas because you were so excited about it. And, and then, of course, like having no school too, like that was... It was the best. It was awesome. And, and I remember that just thinking, man, I absolutely love this time of year when I was a kid. And then you get a little bit older, and it starts to shift a little bit. Like those very same things that you really looked forward to when you were a kid, you get a little bit older, and they start to become a burden. They start to become a chore. They start to just become, oh, man, that's just another thing for us to do. Like, I don't know if when you like unwrap your, your, your Christmas stuff and you're pulling out your lights and you pull out this big jumbled ball of mess of lights and, and you're thinking, I don't even know how to even start untangling this. To, to me, that's how like this time of year has felt a lot recently. It just feels like that big jumbled mess and I don't even know where to begin. Like, I don't even know how to, how to start, how to make any sense of all this. And, and you know, we're, we're spending too much money on, on all these gifts. And we have the, the choir concerts, and we have the church programs, and we have functions, and traveling to see family, and traditions, and baking cookies, and driving to go see the Christmas lights. We have all these things that we want to do. And it just starts, all those, like I said, all those things that we used to love doing when we were younger all start to become a burden. And, and all those things are good. Like n- none of those things are bad. And you just start saying, man, what, what happened? What, what was it that, that took place that took me from this place of joy and excitement to now kind of being this, this Scrooge around Christmas time? And, and, and I noticed this a couple of years ago where the kids really, they wanted to start hanging these icicle lights out on the outside of the, of the house. And I would start grousing about that. Like, oh man, it's cold and I got to get the ladder out. And like, it, again, it's just like another another thing to do. And it got so bad that a couple of years ago, Angel and I were just having a, a conversation, and I said, honey, i got to be honest, I hate this time of year. Like, like I, 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 don't, I don't enjoy Christmas time at all. This is, this is the conversation we had. And, and, I, and I tell you, God was really challenging me on that, like saying, what in the world happened? What happened between the joy and the wonder of being a kid and the Christmas season and now that I'm on the opposite end of that, and now I'm an adult and I have kids, that it's not a joy, it's not a wonder anymore. It's just like, oh, here's another, another thing to do. More, more stuff, more projects, more money, all, all this kind of stuff. 
And so what, what happened? What made this wondrous time of year something that I started to dread? And, and then as I was kind of thinking about it and pondering that a little bit, I was really challenged with this one question was, it, not a question so much, it, 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 I guess it really struck me that the very things that Jesus came into this world to offer, he came in to offer peace and joy and hope, the very things that his, his presence coming into this world came to offer is the exact opposite of what I'm experiencing when we're getting ready to celebrate his birth. Like, like how crazy is that? It, it just didn't make any sense to me, you know, that, that he came so that I could experience peace, and yet peace is the last thing that I'm experiencing right now. He, he came to experience joy, and yet depression this time of year is at numbers that far, out, far exceed any other time of year. Or he came to bring hope, and how many people this time of year feel completely and utterly hopeless? And, and it just made me think, man, we are, we're here celebrating our Savior's birth. Why are we not experiencing those same things that he came in this world so that we could experience them? And so I just want to, I want to pray before we begin and just kind of open, open this time up that, that God would just reveal and, and speak to our hearts this morning. So Lord, God, we, we just want to come to you this morning and thank you, God, for your presence that's in this room. God, thank you that you did come to this earth so that we could experience joy and peace and love and hope. Father, I, I pray that, that you're going to speak to us this morning. God, that these will not be my words, they will not be my thoughts that are, that are said, but God, that they will be your words. And God, that you are going to encourage your people, you're going to encourage your church family today. We just want to tell you how much we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, so let's begin just talking about the actual birth of Jesus. Like, if, if we think of our own kind of chaotic situations that we have around this time of year, that's exactly what was going on in the world when Jesus entered, entered the world 2,000 years ago. Like, he, he, he came into the world in the middle of chaos, where the, the Israel at the time, they were under the, the rule of the Romans. And the Romans, they, they were a brutal nation that, that did not take it easy on those that, that were subject to them. And not only that, but Caesar... He had decreed a census that everyone had to go to their hometown so that they could be counted, and, and, and they could be counted so they, they could be taxed properly. And, and I don't know if anybody hates April 15th, but like nobody likes more taxes. Can I get an amen, Chuck? And, 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 and the thing about it was they had to travel to, to go to their, their hometown and it wasn't like, oh, we're just you know, going to travel and go see Grandma. No, this traveling was going to be costly in, in a number of ways. It was going to cost them because they couldn't work during this time because they had to travel to their hometown to be counted, so they were missing out on income. But then they also had to prepare for the trip. They had to pack enough food with them. They had to find a place to stay. And, and it wasn't like they could just go on Priceline and find a good deal on a hotel or something. Like They had to move. It was kind of on a first-come, first-served basis. It, it was... It, it was not a, a, a great situation for anybody who was having to travel at this time. And then you think about Mary, Jesus' Jesus's mother, where she was, most scholars believe, she was between 13 and 15 years old. She's just a young teenage, teenage girl. And, and as was the custom of the time, she was pledged to be married to an older man. It wasn't like she was getting married to another 13 or 15-year-old. She was pledged to be married to somebody who's probably in his 30s. And you think, man, what, what just a, a, a unique and, and strange situation that was for her. And then on top of it, she's pregnant 
before getting married, which was a gigantic scandal. And, and so she has all this stuff going on inside of her. And Mary's nine months pregnant at the time they have to go travel to Bethlehem, go travel to Joseph's hometown to be counted. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I, I remember when Angela was nine months pregnant and like we would hit a pothole or something like that. And like she, she was ready to just like smack me if I took a turn too hard. And, but Mary's riding on the back of a donkey for, for almost 100 miles. Like, I, I don't know about you ladies, but if, if you can think of yourselves like when you were nine months pregnant, the back of the donkey is probably the last thing you would want to do is ride on at, at that moment. Like, how, how uncomfortable that has really got to be. And then you guys know the story when they finally arrive in Bethlehem, there's no room for them anywhere. There, there's, no, there's no place for them to stay. There's no, in, there's no room at the inn, anything like that. And they're forced to have their, their son, they're forced to have their child in a barn, in a barn. And, and, and we typically, we like to think of the nativity scene as this very peaceful and, and tranquil moment, right? Where, where you know, we, we sing Silent Night, we sing Away in a Manger, and, and we get this image of this beautiful, serene moment. But it really was anything but that, you know? Like, like we, we think to ourselves, oh, the animals were, were laying in the hay, and they're just watching the newborn, and, and, and then the, the star is shining down and, and illuminating everything that's going on inside the barn, and, and the angels and the shepherds are coming, and they're worshiping this baby. And, and, and Mary, she, she's you know, got her hands over her, her chest, and she's just staring lovingly at, as her, at her, her little boy. And, and, and there in, in the middle is this, this smiling baby, and he's just in, in, this, in this, this bed of hay inside a manger. And, and it's just like, oh, it's just, it's just perfect and beautiful. But let's be honest, it wasn't anything like that at all. It, it, it wasn't anything even close to that. I mean, first of all, he was born in a barn. In a barn. Like, th- there, was, there was animal dung everywhere. And, and the animals, they're not just like sleeping peacefully in the hay. Like, they're relieving themselves right next to the Savior of the world. And... and and not only that, there's no lights in the barn. Like, when we, when we picture the nativity scene, the star is right overhead, and it's illuminating everything for us. If you've ever been in a barn at night, it is dark, it is cold. Like, it's, it's not this, this peaceful, warm, welcoming environment. And, and, then, and then, ladies, think, think about this just for a moment. Put yourself back in the mind when you were 13 years old. Just, just for a moment. And, and, and imagine your 13-year-old self having just given birth to, to a little baby in a barn with no pain medication by yourself. Like, I, I'm sure Joseph was there. I, I guarantee you Joseph was not much help. And, and, and you as a 13-year-old just giving birth to, to this brand new baby after riding on the back of a donkey for the last several days. I mean, what a miserable situation. And, and you know, like, we, we, we look at, at Mary in, in, the, in the nativity scenes and all this, and, and her hair is perfect, and she's smiling, and, and she looks all lovely, and she's gazing upon her son. I, ladies, you look beautiful after you've given birth. You really do. But you don't look anything like Mary in the pictures. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like, your hair's all a mess. You look like you want to kill whoever did this to you. You, you know, like, th- that's not your finest moment. All right, and, and the last thing you want, ladies, am I right? The last thing you want is a bunch of dirty old strangers coming in the room right after you gave birth. 
And that's what was happening. All these shepherds, she's like, what are you doing? Why are you here? Like, that, that's the moment that Jesus walks in here. And, I, and I'm thinking, that's, that's, not, that's, not how, that's not how any of us would, would picture and imagine the Savior of the world com- coming into this. You know, where, where, where ladies, you had, no, you had no doctor, you had no epidural, you had no nurse, and, and, and you don't have a crib either. Like, you don't have anywhere to, to place your son except in a feeding trough. That, that, that's what the manger is. It, it's just this feeding trough that you're putting your, your son in. You, you talk about a tough and a chaotic environment that the Savior of the world is starting to enter. This is it. I mean, it, it's, about, it, it's not the worst, but, but it's, it's a pretty chaotic environment that, that Jesus is coming into. But I'll tell you this. Everything that God does, he does on purpose. God, God was not caught off guard. He was not surprised by the way that, that his son was entering into the world. He did this on purpose. God orchestrated Jesus to come into the world at just that time, in just that place, in the middle of this crazy, chaotic environment. And, and I'll tell you this. He wanted his son, the one who was going to be able to relate to all of humanity, he wanted his son to be able to experience the same things that you and I experience. Like, the, the, the whole reason that, that, that Jesus can relate to us in our mess and in our, in our dysfunction is because he's been a part of mess and dysfunction, because he's been a part of crazy, chaotic situations. He, he's, he's a part of that. What kind of savior would he be if he couldn't relate to the everyday issues and the everyday struggles that you and I have? And, and yet in the middle of all of this chaos, in the middle of all this chaos, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. In the middle of this crazy situation he's born into. In fact, Isaiah 9-6 says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He, he is the Prince of Peace and he came to bring us peace. But why in the world does it feel like we, we lack peace during this time of year? Like this time of year feels anything but peaceful to most of us in the room. And, and I'd be willing to, to, to bet that, that most everybody in, in the room has probably felt that at one time or another, where you say, man, like this is supposed to be a time of great peace, and I don't, think, I don't feel anything peaceful about this time whatsoever. And so how do I do it? How can I truly experience the peace that only Jesus can bring in the middle of this time that feels so chaotic. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you kind of three things that, that I think all of us can do so that we can truly experience the peace of God during the, this beautiful Christmas time of year. So number one, you can write this down on the, on the back of your bulletin if you're keeping notes. But I want you to purposely put yourself in the presence of God. Put yourself in the presence of God. His presence in your life is the only thing that will bring you lasting peace. And I, I promise you that. There, there is nothing outside the Lordship of Jesus Christ that will bring you true and lasting peace in your life. There, there's, there's nothing. It, it, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, and I absolutely love this passage right here. Paul's writing, he says, Remember that at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, I love that, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself 
is our peace. He himself is our peace. Oftentimes when people are asked to give a definition of the word peace, they'll say something along the lines of, well, peace is the absence of conflict. And I don't think that's entirely accurate because you can be free from conflict but still not have peace. Peace is not the absence of something. Instead, peace truly is the presence of something or, or rather the presence of someone. If, if you read what Ephesians 2.14 says, says that he himself is our peace. So if we are truly going to experience peace, it can't just be the absence of conflict. It needs to be that we are experiencing the presence of Jesus in our lives. And, and, and so we start that. We, we can begin, you know, I, I guess let me say it this way. Being in right standing with Jesus is the beginning of us being to truly be able to experience the peace that only he can give. Romans 5.1, Paul writes, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Bringing ourselves into right relationship with God gives us peace with God and helps us to be able to experience the peace that only he can bring. We, how often have we told ourselves, though, time and time again, that, man, we're, we're just too busy. I, I have too much going on. God, God you know, I want, I want to spend time with you today, but I'm running late. I got too many things to do. I, I just can't quite fit you in to my schedule right now. If I asked you to raise your hand in the room and my hand would be right there with you, that we've all done that. We've all felt like, man, I'm too busy. I have too much going on, Lord, to truly give you my best. I have too much going on to truly connect with you one-on-one and to experience your presence in my life. And I'll tell you, there's, there's a very unique passage in, in the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke that talks about this exact thing, where, where Jesus is, is out and he comes to a house of Martha and Mary, and there's this very unique interchange that happens. In Luke chapter 10, it says that as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. We, we can get so busy doing the things of life and good things in life that we actually miss out on what Jesus wants. He wants us to be in his presence. Now, now I, I would be, I'd be willing to say that, that most everybody in the room, that if you knew that Jesus was coming over to your house right after church today, you'd probably want to leave right now and go start cleaning up. You'd want to make it presentable. You'd want to put a nice meal in the oven. Like, you would want it to be an incredible experience for Jesus coming over. And Jesus was like, yeah, yeah, Martha, I appreciate that. That's, that's great. That's wonderful. That's, that's awesome. But that's not what I want. I don't want a clean house. I want you. I don't want a fancy meal. I want you. And, and that's what Jesus is saying to us. He, he's saying, you know, all those other things that we do, and they're good things, that's great. But what I want is, I want you. I want you to be in my presence. I want you to be here with me. Come sit at my feet like your sister is right now. If, if any of you have ever heard the, the Johnny Diaz song, Breathe, there's a great line in that song. He, he says, I want you to lay down what's good and find what's best. And I think that's, that's such an, an apt statement for all of our lives today, that, that our lives are filled with, with things that are good, things we have to do. 
But are we, are we laying down those things that are good and actually devoting it to what's best, of, of truly making time to connect with our Lord? I'll, I'll tell you, we need to slow down. Everyone in this room, myself included, we need to slow down. I, as your pastor, I'm telling you, slow down. Slow down. Take time to truly enjoy the presence of God. Make sure that you're, you're being purposeful about being here on a Sunday morning where we can gather together as a church family and enjoy the presence of God. Make sure you're carving out that time every single day, not just trying to wedge it in where, where I can, but be purposeful about connecting with God one-on-one every single day because we're never going to have peace in our lives if we're constantly filling our lives with all kinds of other things. And we're closing out, not closing out, we're, we're, uh, uh, we're allowing ourselves to become too busy to truly connect with him one-on-one alone. I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm giving you permission, Living Stones. Slow down. Make sure that you're, you're putting first things first, that he is truly being your priority because you, you will never be able to experience peace in your life until you're purposeful about connecting with him and bringing his presence into your life. The, the second thing that all of us can do this, this time of year to experience the, the peace of God is that we need to bring Jesus into every situation. Invite Jesus into absolutely every single situation we have. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble. In other words, if you love God's principles, if you bring them into every aspect of your life, if you're living them out, you're not just going to have peace, you're going to have great peace. Great peace. So, So no matter what situation, no matter what it is that you're dealing with, no matter what it is that you're facing, bring Jesus into it. Bring Jesus into that situation. And and I don't know if any of you are like me at all, but one of the times where I feel the least peace of all is when I'm driving in the car. Is is there anybody else in the room who's kind of like me? Like literally just like a week and a half ago, I I was having a great day. I was in a good mood. Angel and I were talking. We were just having a great time. And we were driving along this two-lane road. And in my rearview mirror, all of a sudden, I see this guy coming up really hard behind me. And I started getting a little irritated. I was like, dude, buddy, lay off, man. Like, I, I was starting to get kind of irritated with the guy. Well, he decides I'm going a little bit too slow for him, and he decides he's going to come past me. And, and I would love to tell you that your pastor in that moment prayed for him and said, all right, Lord, bless him as he, as he goes, whatever he has that he needs to do. That's not what I did. I, I saw him pull up beside me. I was like, oh, really? And I step on the gas, <laughs> and I wasn't going to let him pass me. And... and and this is the time where Angela often has to chime in and remind me that I'm a pastor and remind me that my kids are watching. And, and, but, but think about that. In an instant, I let this guy who is in a hurry rob me of peace. How, how easily could I have just invited the Lord into that situation? How easily could I have just said, all right, God, obviously he's in a hurry. He has somewhere he needs to be. Protect him as he goes. How easily could I have just said, God, Help me with my attitude, because obviously this guy's making me kind of irritated right now. Like, like, how easily could I have done that? But that's not what I did. We need to make sure we're purposeful about inviting God into, into every situation, everything that it, that it is that we're facing. Because how, how often do we sacrifice our own peace because we didn't invite God into the situation? How, how often do we sacrifice peace because we didn't ask him to come be a part of what it is that we're facing and dealing with at that moment? First Thessalonians 3.16, Paul writes, he says, 
And, and he's kind of closing out his letter to the, to the church in Thessalonica. And he says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times, in every way. The Lord be with all of you. And think about that for a moment. Paul's saying, it is possible to have peace at all times and in every way if we invite Jesus to be a part of our situations, if we invite Jesus to be a part of our lives. Um, I, have, I have a really good friend. His name is, is Nate. And I met, him, I met Nate in college. In fact, he was one of the groomsmen in, in Angels in my wedding uh, 17 years ago. And when I was in college, what I did just to kind of have some extra money and all this, I worked as a personal care worker for other students at the, at the school who had different disabilities. And Nate was one of those, one of those guys. I, I, I would say that Nate suffered from cerebral palsy, but he didn't suffer from it. He just kind of dealt with it. And, and what was so interesting uh, about, about Nate, he was one of the most joyful and peace-filled people I've ever met in my life, which is crazy to me. Like, it was crazy to think about because Nate couldn't do hardly anything for himself. I had to help him take a shower. I had to help him eat. I had to help him get dressed. I had to help him go to the bathroom. I had to help get him up in the morning. I had to help him get up at night. Like, he, he, there was so much he could not do for himself. And, and, if, and if you heard Nate speak, it would, he would be very difficult for most of you to understand until after you had spent some time with him and really got to know who he was. And yet, in spite of all that, Nate was one of the most joy-filled and peace-filled people that I've ever met in my entire life. And, and Nate and I had a conversation one day, and I, and I asked him, I, I said, Nate, do you, ever, do you ever pray or ask God to heal you? And, and I just want you to know, like, your pastor believes that God still heals people today. And, and, I, and I just said, Nate, do you ever, do you ever ask that, that God would heal you? And his, his answer flabbergasted me. He said, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, want, to, I wouldn't want him to. And that just, like, that shocked me. I, th- I thought, what? Like, if, if God could help you walk and not have to be in a wheelchair, if God could heal you and you wouldn't need me to give you a shower every single day, like, you wouldn't want that? And, and his, his answer to me was, was so, inc- so incredible and so powerful to me. He said, if I can have what most people would consider to be a miserable situation, what most people would consider to be a miserable life, and I can still love God, and I can still praise God, and I can still serve God, what excuse does anybody else have? And I thought, man, that was like a dagger to the heart. You know, like some of the things I've complained about in my life, the, the things that, that, that I've argued with God and say, God, why don't you do something about this? And here I have my friend Nate, who virtually can do nothing for himself, and yet he is filled with that joy and filled with that peace because he's invited Jesus into his, into his situation. He's invited Jesus into his life. He, he looks as, as his disability that we would call, and that's his, his way to, to uh, share the gospel with other people. That, that all these personal care workers that come and deal with him, he's able to talk with them about Jesus. How cool is that? That he has truly invited Jesus to be a part of his, what, we, what many of us would consider a miserable situation. So, so I'll, I'll tell you this, no matter what it is, if it's a, a doctor's diagnosis, if it's in your finances, if it's family relationship issues, your workplace, whatever it is, say, God, I am inviting you into this situation. Jesus, I need you to give me your eyes. I need you to give me your ears. I need to be able to think rightly about these things because I want your peace. I don't want to sacrifice my peace because of a circumstance. 
I don't want to sacrifice my peace because of something happening in my life that, that I don't like. And so we can truly experience his peace when we invite Jesus into every situation in our life. Invite him into every situation. And the third one, the third way that we can experience peace this time of year is that we need to keep our mind on Jesus. Keep our mind on Jesus. We, we talked a little bit last week just about how powerful your mind is, the, the things that you're thinking, the things that you're filling your mind with. We need to be keeping Jesus at the forefront of our mind. Um, I, I came across this, this really interesting fact, and I totally loved this, that in your Bible, if, if you counted up every verse that's in your Bible, there would be 31,103 verses in your Bible. 31,103. Now, that, that's an odd number, which, which means that on the front half of your Bible, you have, you have 15,551 verses, then you have one verse in the middle, and then you have 15,551 verses on the back half of your Bible. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, that one verse that's right smack dab in the very center, the very middle of your Bible, the very center, is one I, I would challenge all of us to commit to memory. It's Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. And he says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Man, think about that. Just let that sit in for, sink in for a moment. The very central verse in our Bible says that God is going to offer us perfect peace. That word perfect really means complete. Complete peace to those who trust in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. In that, in, in that moment, th- think about that. That verse that's in the very center of our Bible, if we can apply that and make that the very center of our thoughts, the very center of our mind. If we're allowing Jesus to be the center focal point that we are fixing our mind and our thoughts on, we're going to be able to not just experience peace, but perfect peace, complete peace. And, and, and I, like I shared with you guys last week about just our thoughts and, and the, the, way that, uh, the, the, the way that how powerful our, our thoughts really are. If you want to experience peace this time of year, keep your mind and your thoughts on Jesus. Now, Paul takes this on another step in Philippians chapter 4, and many of you have probably uh, heard this or read this before. And Paul's saying to the Philippian church, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. What Paul is reiterating, what Isaiah 26.3 says, that if you're thinking about those things that are good, that are lovely, that are praiseworthy, that are excellent, if you're thinking about the things of God, the God of peace will be with you. And, and, and I don't mean to step on anybody's toes. I don't mean to... To, to get ugly with anybody here, but, but could it be that the reason you're not experiencing peace in your life is because of what you're filling your mind with? What, what's consuming your thoughts? Like, like if, if you're filling your mind with trash day and night, is it any wonder that you're not experiencing peace in your life? Is it any wonder that you're not experiencing peace in your heart? But what Paul is saying is, he said, if you fill your mind and you fill your heart with good things, if your mind is on the, the things of God, 
If you're, if you're memorizing the Word of God, if you're talking about it, you're thinking about it, the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. If, and, and, and let me encourage you with this, new Living, living Stones. If you, if you look on your, your bulletin, there, on that flap that, that pulls out, I have verses on there every single week for you. A different verse for you every single day that goes along with what we've been talking about this Sunday. I, I, I would highly encourage you, pull, pull that out. Stick that, stick that somewhere. Make, make it a, a, a bookmark in your Bible. But read those verses. Commit them to memory. Start, and don't just read through it and say, oh, good, I, I read my verse for the day. But be, be chewing on it, thinking about it, you know, digesting it, about, uh, digesting it meditating on it. I, 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 I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to help you because if, if we can get our mind and we can get our thoughts on Jesus, the good things that, that he has in our lives, his peace will be ours. It says it over and over and over in Scripture. Now, what, what, I, what I really want us to do, what, I, what I'm calling all of us to, what I'm challenging everybody in the room to is, let's not make Jesus something that we think about for an hour and a half on Sunday morning. But let's actually infuse him into every aspect of our lives. Let, let's have him be the center and the focal point of what we are. And, and I know everybody's, you know, you have jobs, we have school, we have bills. I, I know that. But we can still bring Jesus into our jobs. We can bring him into our school. We can bring him into our finances. We can bring him into our bills. We can bring him into every aspect of our lives. And, and if you were here a couple weeks ago when we did our child dedication service, I shared with you the passage from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And what God is telling Moses in, in this passage, he's saying, I want you to think about the things of God when you're waking up in the morning and when you're lying down at night. I want you to think about the things of God as you're walking along the way, as you're, as you're going about your day. I want you to impress them on the hearts of your children. I want you to talk to your kids about the things of God. I'll tell you, don't miss December 29th. I, I, you know, Jen shared with, with you guys this morning, we're going to have a family service here. Bring your kids here. Have them be a part of a worship service. Let your kids see you worshiping, the, worshiping God. Let them hear you praising him. Let, let them hear, and, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to get up here, I'm not going to speak for 35 or 40 minutes. Like, we're going to make it a great time. It's going to be fun. The kids are going to be able to be engaged. Have them here. Have your kids be a part of, of your spiritual life. Don't just shop it out to, all right, well, that's the, the job of the people in the kids' ministry. No, bring your kids into the presence of God. Involve them. Share those, share those things of God with them. And, 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 and I'll Lastly, I'll just kind of tell you this. this. This is a conversation that we have as a staff every single week. That when we have staff, more, staff meeting on, on Mondays, one of the things we, we ask one another is, so, so where has God been present in your life this week? Where, where have you seen God at work? Where, what has God been, been up to? What has he been doing in your life? That, that's why on the Give campaign, we, we were saying, hey, share your story with us. Tell us, hey, where did God show up? How was he present in, in you serving somebody else? And, and I tell you, we have great conversations. We have great discussions amongst our staff. Do that as a family. Ask one another. Say, hey, where, where did God show up in your life this week? Where, where, where was God when you were at school today? How did God show up at, at your place of work? Where did you see his presence? When you start changing the way you think, when you start putting Jesus truly at the forefront of your mind, fixing your thoughts on him, his perfect peace will be yours. 
So I, I'm going to close with this, and I'll, I'll invite Jim to, to come forward right now. And, and, and I'll tell you this. I, obviously, we all know this. Every, I'm, not, I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. That this is, it, it can feel like a very crazy, crazy, chaotic time of year. Like we all have the, the responsibilities. We have the traditions. We have the things we want our kids to experience. We have to travel to go see family. Like there, there's an endless number of things that we have to do during the Christmas season. And it's just, it's just part of, of, of what happens. There's gifts to buy, there's, there's people to visit with, and, and all that. But one of the chief reasons that Jesus came to earth was so that we could experience peace, especially this time of year. That, that he was born in the middle of a chaotic environment, so that in the midst of our chaotic environment, we can experience the Prince of Peace. And, and I just, I, I really, I want you to hear this. Jesus can empathize. Jesus understands. He gets it. If, if you read the Gospels, if you read anything about Jesus' life, his life was not a cakewalk. Like, it, he, he had a difficult life. His life was filled with chaos constantly. He can empathize, and he can understand the chaos that you feel in your, in your lives too. He didn't give us peace just to experience once we're dead. He's offering us peace so we can experience it now. But I'll tell you, we need to put ourselves in the presence of Jesus. We need to invite Jesus into every situation. And we need to keep our minds on Jesus too. So I'm going to ask everyone just to close your eyes for just a moment here. I'm going to, I'm going to pray in just a second. But I, I just want to pray for anybody in the room who's not yet been able to experience his saving power and his saving peace. That the, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you'll be saved. And I just, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you've not believed in your heart and you've not confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you just say, I need you in my life. God, I need you to forgive me. The, the good news is that Jesus came so you don't have to pay for your own sins. He's done it for you. But we need to call on him. We need to invite him into, into, into our lives. And, and so if that's you, if you've never experienced his saving power, the peace that only he can bring, would you just raise your hand for me real quick? Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. Okay. Praise God. Okay, you can put your hands down. I'd also just like to pray for everyone in the room who just feels completely overwhelmed right now. They just need a gigantic dose of peace in your life, especially during this Christmas season. So let me, let me just pray for all of us right now. God, you truly are amazing. God, and we love you so very much. Thank you, God, for coming and dwelling among us. God, that your, your, your name, Emmanuel, means God with us. God, thank you for your presence and all that, all that that brings. You've been so good to us. You've been so gracious to us, Lord. And we just want to tell you how much we love you. God, I, I, I pray for my friends this morning who, who raised their hand who are calling out to you, and I'm going to encourage you, pray this along with me. That God, we, we confess our need for a Savior. God, we need you in our lives. We've sinned, we've fallen short of your plan for our lives, Lord, and we ask that you clean us and make us new. God, forgive our sins. We invite you into our lives today, and we ask you to be present in every area, every area of our lives. God, thank you for saving me. Thank you for take, taking the punishment that I deserved so that I can be with you forever. And Lord, I also just pray for everybody in the room 
who just feels overwhelmed by the craziness of life right now. God, that we've allowed so many other things to fill our schedules, to cloud our minds and our thoughts, that it's easy to forget who it is that we're really celebrating this time of year. God, we, we invite you. God, we welcome you into every aspect of our lives. God, into our marriages, into our parenting, into our, our work and our finances, into our church. God, we need you in this church. God, we need your presence like never before. And I pray that all my friends in this room are going to be able to experience that great peace, that perfect peace that only you offer. God, help us not to become so consumed by all the other things in this season that we neglect the one who is most important. Jesus, we celebrate you. We honor you. And we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oh, Livingstones, we're going to we're going to worship the Lord with, with our giving right now. And, and that's really what, what this is. You know, when, when we give on a Sunday morning, when we give our tithes and our offerings, it, it's an act of worship. It, it's, it's us worshiping God. And, and, and I wanted to share a scripture with you from Deuteronomy. And, and in this passage, God's giving his people instructions on how they should engage with him during some of three of the Old Testament feasts that are going on. And I won't get into the feasts or kind of what they signify or anything like that. But what, Jesus, what, what God is telling his people, he says, each of you, this is Deuteronomy 16, 17, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. And, and, I, and I love that passage. He, he said, he's, he, he's saying, you know, God has blessed every one of us in a different measure. He said, I want you to bring a gift. I want you to bring an offering that's in proportion to the way that you have been blessed. And, and I'll tell you, Every one, of this, every one of us in this room, we've been insanely, insanely, insanely blessed. That, that even the poorest among us in, in this room, like we're, we're richer than 90% of the rest of the world. And so God has, God has abundantly blessed us. And, and so us giving, we're not trying to buy God off. We're not trying to earn favor with God. We're just simply giving back just a small portion of, of what he's already given us because everything we have already belongs to him anyways. And so this is just a way for us to, to love him and to give back to God so that he can continue the ministry that, that he has, that, that his kingdom can be advanced. And, and so as, as we get ready to give, I, I want to just kind of share something with, with everybody in the room, but also with, with our ushers too, that, that we've noticed uh, uh, sometimes that there's people in the middle of the rows that have gotten missed from time to time. That, that the buckets, you know, somebody on the end, maybe you gave online or, or you didn't have anything to give today and, and you, you, they didn't take the bucket and there were people that got missed. And what we want to do is we want to make sure that nobody misses out on being able to bless God with their tithes and their offerings today. So, so what I'm going to ask everybody to do, our, our ushers and everybody, especially on the ends, that, that if you gave online or if you have nothing to give today, whatever it is, the ushers, they're going to give a, a bucket on the end of every row. And I just ask that you pass it down to everybody, to make sure that nobody gets missed on a Sunday morning, that everybody has the opportunity to be able to bless God and, and, and be able to give their offering to him. And, and I don't know if any of you guys are like Atari fans. Anybody play Atari like Centipede on, on Atari back in the day? Like, that, that's what I want our offering buckets to be like. We're, we're just going to just make sure that they go down every row that nobody, that nobody gets missed. So, so again, if you're on the end, wh whether you have something to give today or you gave online, just take the bucket and make sure you pass it down to everybody down. So if you would, would you just stand with me as I, as I get ready to pray? Father, we just want to tell you, God, that we love you. 
And we're just praising you, God, for your goodness in our lives. Thank you, God, for blessing us in ways that we can't even count or, or fathom or imagine. And God, it, it's, it's, a, it's a joy, it's a pleasure to be able to give back to you, Lord, just a, a, a small bit of what you've already given ba- back to us. God, we just want to tell you we love you and we give freely to you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to a close here, let's go ahead and stand and we can uh, finish.